Dear fellow redeemed, in our second reading from 2 Corinthians, Paul talked about the progress of the Christian church as a triumphal procession, really a victory parade. And this victory parade that started with the resurrection of Jesus goes on like a parade throughout the entire history and geography of the world. And this parade is characterized by the way it smells. The scent of, in a Roman victory parade, it would be the scent of incense and flowers. And to those who were rejoicing at their victory, it would be the smell of victory. But to those who were stuck in the victory parade, the captives, that smell was the scent of death because it meant their eventual death in the Roman Colosseum. That is the picture that Paul uses when he describes the progress of the Christian church throughout the world in history and in geography. And that is the victory parade that started when Jesus' soul returned from heaven and was reunited to his body very early on Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning. And the very first thing that Jesus did on Easter Sunday morning was descend into hell. And there in victory, the parade began. There in victory, Jesus declared his resurrection victory that those who had trusted in him had their trust in the right place. And those that had opposed him we're now lost forever. And that victory parade continues throughout this world. And the curious thing about this victory parade is that as victorious as our Jesus is, as powerful as he is, as life-changing as his resurrection is, Jesus hides his victory in simple everyday things. Simple words like pastors standing up here and saying, because Jesus has risen from the dead, your sin is forgiven. Simple words like the Bible next to your morning coffee, where those words that are life, you can read, and you can close it, and you can set it aside. Simple words, together with the water of baptism, when poured over a child or applied to any other person, when that water of baptism creates faith and gives forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, because that is God's work that the victory parade of Jesus continues. It started at the resurrection, and it continues in humble ways that can be overlooked. Even as Christians gather together around the Lord's table, it doesn't look like much. Five cents of bread and wine in a plastic cup, and most of that is the cup. <laughs> but there, the victory parade continues. There, the victory parade continues as the resurrection of Jesus is applied to your life and mine. And also, that victory parade continues in the lives of Christians. And all those other ways, when we talk about the Word of God, when we talk about Holy Baptism and Holy Communion, all those other ways, God's glory is displayed very clearly, although very humbly. But in the lives of His people, God displays His glory, sometimes not so clearly because people are fallible. And who would be more fallible in the pages of Scripture than the Apostle Peter? I picture him as, you know, 6'2", 6'3", this big fisherman of a guy who's been doing it for 10, 20 years, maybe. His friends nicknamed him Rocky. And that Thursday evening, late at night, 
He was the one who broke down in tears, saying, I don't know the man. He was the one who three times had said, I tell you, I, with God as my witness, I don't know the man. And when they said, but you talk the same way, you talk like, you know, <laughs> you talk like a Texan, you talk like a Galilean, you talk like you're from Boston, your accent gives you away. And maybe he tried to change up his accent. No, it doesn't. I don't know him. The victory parade of Jesus would continue in his life too. But through his words and through his action, or the lack thereof, it was like things paused for a minute. The glory of Jesus wasn't displayed in his denial. Fast forward just over a year. It's barely a year, maybe two years, after Jesus has been crucified and the new King Herod, who's like a stepson twice removed of King Herod, like at the time of Jesus. Seriously, your family tree is a little messed up. But this King Herod, who's in charge in Jerusalem, he put James, the brother of John, to death. And he saw that the Jews in Jerusalem said, hey, this is a good thing. And he thought maybe, just maybe, if he would arrest more of these prominent disciples, then, then he would have more political power and he would have their favor and they would be smiling about it. And so he locked up Peter and put Peter in prison. And he just thought, wow, all it takes, Peter, is for you to say it was all a misunderstanding. Just let me go on my way. I'll, I'll go somewhere else. I won't stir up trouble here, and uh, I'll change what I say. I won't, I won't be pinning the blame on you. But the victory parade of Jesus that began in hell itself would continue in the life of the Apostle Peter. As Peter recognized as he sat there in prison and thought, yes, <laughs> that his testimony, his witness to the risen Lord Jesus would probably mean his own painful execution in just a day, the very next morning. But God had other ideas. God had other ideas of releasing him from prison so that he would be able to continue that victory parade through his preaching and through his teaching. And so far, you're thinking to yourself, well, that's all well and good. There's a little bit of background. That's basically our introduction now. What are we really talking about today? that the victory parade of Jesus continues in your life too, and in my life also. It continues in our confession of what we say, what I call a, a confession of walk, or rather a confession of talk. <laughs> a confession of talk is what we say we believe, and the confession of walk is how we live that out. That Jesus wants to continue this victory parade through your life and my life as well, both in what we say and in what we do, and it's so much simpler to say, well, not right now. It's so much simpler to say, well, I don't want to stick my neck out and um, risk offending somebody. Even at the most very basic of that first commandment, you shall have no other gods, what does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And um, we confess that with what we say. But then what do we do? What does the confession of walk say? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things, but has there been anything in your life ever that you have feared more than God himself? 
You can probably think of things that might, that would be very disruptive to your life. The things that, you know, we typically like buy insurance for <laughs> to try to cover that risk. The things of, well, what if I have this catastrophic health event? I'm afraid of that. What if I were to get sick and I wouldn't be able to work? I would be afraid of that. Maybe I, I get caught up in so much of what the media wants me to worry about and I'm worried about what is this world going to look like for my kids or my grandkids. And heaven's sakes, who knows if the Lord is going to give me my 70 or 80 years if I have the strength. Lots to be afraid of. But when you talk about fear, love, and trusting God above all things, well, falling into the hands of, of a living God and being quiet about my confession of faith, isn't really at the top of the list. Fear, love, and trust, oh boy. <laughs> loving things more than God, loving my own personal safety, security, and my own spending of my time rather than prioritizing my Lord and trusting Him above all these other things that have empirical statistical research proving how much benefit they are but trust God that he is the one who wants to work through these things? That might be the afterthought that we tack on at the back of our minds. But the victory parade continues. It continues in the lives of Christians who, yes, fear, love, and trust in God above all things. The victory parade continues, yes, in your life too. That the resurrection of Jesus changes lives, just like it changed Peter's life, and just like it changed yours and mine, we can readily confess that, no, <laughs> I have loved other things ahead of my Lord. And frankly, how many times has he not even made the cut? I have trusted in or even feared things more than my Lord. And frankly, how often, <laughs> how often do those other things crowd out any thought of my God. But the victory prayed continues in the hearts and lives of even fallible Christians like you and me, because the resurrection of Jesus changes lives. You could think of it this way. 500 years ago today would have been April 18th, 1521. <clears throat> and there was a young German monk, you know, probably in his late 30s or early 40s, I'd have to look it up. Um, but he was, he was summoned to a council where he was going to stand before the emperor of all of Europe, like the guy who has all authority over everywhere in that time. And he was called there, and they, they stacked up all of his books and all of his writings where he had said that the forgiveness of sins is only through faith. He had stacked up all of his books, and they said, Martin Luther, do you recant? They stacked up all of his books, and they said, if you do not, then you'll be declared an outlaw, and your blood will be on your own head, and anybody can execute judgment against you. And he thought about it. They gave him the night to think about it, and they wanted him to take back what he had said. And he's thinking to himself, well, that would be the easy route. 
It'll be simple enough to say, it was all a misunderstanding, and I won't write like that anymore. I won't rock the boat. And he thought about it, and he thought, well, maybe, just maybe, if I just keep writing, then I can change things and fix things. But what it came down to was, would he compromise his confession and let the victory parade stop there? And so the next day, when, they, when he stood before the Emperor Charles V again, April 18th, 1521, it was the final call, the final statement. Do you retract everything that you've written? And what he said was, well, unless you can prove to me on the basis of the word of God, not on the basis of human opinion or what the, what the Pope says or other church councils, but on the basis of the word of God alone, if you can convince me that what I've written is wrong, then gladly. <laughs> Sign me up. I'll, I'll take it back. But until you do so, I cannot and I will not take back what I, stand, what I said. And here I must stand on the word of God. So help me God. And you could almost hear a pin drop as the victory parade continued. As the fragrance of the resurrection of Jesus continued with the proclamation that forgiveness of sins has been won completely by our risen Lord Jesus. And that victory prayer continues in your life too. That you will have opportunity to confess your faith in what you say and in what you do. It might not be to the extent of, of Simon Peter and facing jail time and possible execution, but you know, given the history of this world, who knows? But Jesus isn't calling you to die for him today or tomorrow. He's called you to live for him today and tomorrow. To fear, love, and trust in God above all things means to live a life of love toward those who are around us. Yes, those who are closest to us. And it goes out from there. That our confession of walk, what we say we believe, is exercised in our confession of talk as we put that faith into action and the victory parade continues as our actions really reinforce what we say we believe. And the victory parade of Jesus continues in your life and mine. And now you might be able to even think of, of times when you have fallen down and, and it looked like the victory parade had stopped. And to that, I just direct your attention back again to the hidden power of Christ's resurrection, where he gives to you, even today, his victory parade again, and he covers you with the scent of victory Say, dear Christian, dear Christian, you've been bought and washed and made new. And the victory parade continues also through you. Now, what does this look like? Well, over the next few months, Lord willing, um, we'll start working even more closely with Zion Lutheran Church. And uh, they'll probably be moving over here to worship with us at some point. And... Um, We'll be taking on a lot of people who, who haven't been listening to Pastor Hagen over the last three years talking about how we want to do ministry together. What does it look like for the victory parade for, to continue? Well, patience and love. Not the statement of, that's not how we do things here, but the statement of, that's a good idea. Let's see how we can work together on that. 
what does it look like for the Victory Parade to continue? Um, maybe it's some of our lay people getting involved a little bit more directly with contacting and visiting some of our shut-ins. Because we've got uh, quite a few of them who, who don't get a whole lot of regular visitors. And they need encouragement too. Maybe it looks like um, gathering outside, out behind our church on Fridays during the summertime, and just, you know, even if it's for 45 minutes or an hour, share a little bit of food and a little bit of time together and a brief devotion. But to say, you know what, out of all the people and all the friends that I have in my life, I've got a family here at Resurrection. I've got a family here that I love and care about. And the only way I can encourage them is to hear what they're carrying and pray with them or encourage them with my own words and my own example. And the victory parade of Jesus continues. It started with his descent into hell and continues throughout the history and geography of the world until the day when he returns again. It continued through the life of the Apostle Peter, who was imprisoned for the faith. And rather than recant, he said, all right, I guess I get to see Jesus face to face again tomorrow morning. And God changed that. It continued through the life of Martin Luther, who left Worms, an outlaw and a wanted man, and who was kidnapped on his way back home, <laughs> thankfully, kidnapped by his own governor's army. And he spent the next three or four years translating the Bible into German so the German people could read it. The Victory Parade continues even down to the present day in your life and mine as God's people gather together to say, this is what we believe, our confession of talk. And this is how we put that talk into action with our confession of walk. Why? Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. Amen.